We begin a new sermon series today called Remaking the World, and today's scripture lesson comes from the last book in the Bible, the book of Revelation. So listen for how one Christian envisions the way God wanted the world to be. Listen for what might be revealed to us this day from Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. God will dwell with them, and they will be God's people, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear. From their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. May God bless this reading to our understanding. What if it was your job? to remake the world. Imagine anything is possible. Use your wildest imagination, as did the author of Revelation. Pretend that you are holding a ball of clay in your hand, and you can shape this world into a new version of itself. What would you do? I would tear down Children's Mercy Hospital because no childhood diseases would exist. There would be no autism, no spina bifida, no epilepsy, and definitely no oncology units for children. I would make chips and salsa have the same calorie count as celery sticks. And every store in the Metroplex, every convenience store, every grocery store would carry Bluebell's homemade vanilla from the Little Creamery in Brenham. I would gather up all the adults, myself included, and we would go and observe toddlers playing together on a playground. We adults would see the black and white and brown children playing together with such joy and harmony that we would discover from these children how to love and respect and enjoy people who were different from us. And I would make a world where every adult votes. No one ever hears anyone else saying, "Uh, well, my vote won't really count. No, every adult will eagerly go to the polls and vote their conscience. What would you do? I know some of you. And I know that the first thing on your list, you would cure Alzheimer's and you would create an economy where everyone, everyone would earn enough money to support his or her own family. Now, some of you would create more golf courses. And others of you would create a vending machine where you could just push a button and get a hot home-cooked meal to spit out at you at the end of the day and all you do is place it on the table. And maybe some of you would create colleges and universities where exams are never given. (laughs) I bet one of you in your project of remaking the world would eliminate all military-style weapons so that there would never, ever again be a mass casualty at a school or a mall. 
well, we could go on and on here, but this was actually the dilemma faced by various people in the Bible. For example, John, who wrote this passage today, when John sat down on the island of Patmos and wrote the book of Revelation, the world, <laughs> it was in serious need of remaking. John himself had been exiled during a time of severe Christian persecution by the very powerful Roman Empire. You see, Rome's values are about domination and control. The rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer, and freedom amongst alternative groups like Christians and individuals who have their own minds, this was being squelched. But John had a different vision of how God's world could be. John had this alternative reality in mind. John imagined harmony and love, everyone valued, everyone respected, the poor and the rich side by side, treated with equal dignity because they are one in Christ, claimed by the living Christ, owned by the love of Christ. Now, I, I know I know sometimes people read this book of Revelation as if it's a scary book about the end of the world, but John is actually writing words of comfort, words of hope about how we can remake the world. Today's passage is the climax of the entire book of Revelation. You might even think of it as the climax of the whole book of the Bible. It comes here just like on the next to last page of the Bible. And John looks out at all the world's problems. And he says, I see a new heaven and a new earth. What is it that John is seeing? Revelation tells us how John pictures God's goal for the world. What will it be like? Well, it's not the peak of Rocky Mountain National Park where you can see that chain of snow-capped mountains. It's not a serene sunset on the beach in Florida. It's not the rose garden at dawn in Loose Park. No, John's vision, it's a city a crowded, noisy city where people live together in harmony. A new heaven is not a solo, it's a symphony. And, and there's no sea at all, which is an image in scripture for chaos and tumult. And there's no crying, no tears, no pain, no sorrow, no death. Nothing exists that robs life from being joyful. And there are no cowards. Everyone speaks his or her own mind and acts on his or her own convictions. Everyone is engaged in creating what is good and loving. And in this idyllic world, you're not even going to believe that I'm about to say this. There are no churches, no temples, because everyone already knows the fullness of God's all-embracing love. It is the ultimate makeover. It is not a place where the old is thrown out. It is a place where the old is rehabbed. It doesn't say God will make all new things. It says God will make all things new. Make of us something new. Well, I know you're smart and you're, you're probably thinking, what I'm thinking, that is that 
we are sitting here 2,000 years after John wrote this, and we are looking around the world, and we are still seeing so many problems. And so, did John get it wrong? Or, or, or do we have the timetable wrong? Do we need to wait a couple of thousand more years? Many biblical scholars proclaim that John was not writing about the future. John was writing about the present. John is painting a picture of how life can be right here and right now. John forces us to see the world's and its problems and its remedies from God's vantage point. And, and so go back to the thought exercise that we started with at the beginning of may, remaking the world the way we want it to be. And now imagine sitting right next to you is God. How would your solutions look now? Whether you lived in first century Rome or you live in 21st century the United States, the world still needs to be reshaped. But what if God was your partner in this project? You're holding that ball of clay with God. Well, do you remember two and a half years ago when the pandemic first broke out and most of us thought that the world was about to be reshaped radically in maybe two and a half, three, maybe at the outset four weeks, we would come out of this global crisis as a new people, more clear-headed about our future, both collectively and individually. We imagined we would be different. But did any of us imagine what would happen over the next two years. I didn't imagine the racial reckonings that would come in our streets, the violence in the U.S. Capitol, and none of us, I dare say, imagined that just as this virus would begin to not be so contagious, just as its spread would slow, that a war would break out in Europe Few of us pictured a superpower with nuclear weapons invading the homeland of 40 million people, upsetting the global supply chain and leaving millions with not enough food on the table. Where is this new heaven? Where is this new earth? John says, See, the home of God is among mortals. God will dwell with them. They will be God's people, and God will be with them. Eugene Peterson says this verse means that God has moved into the neighborhood. God's home is now among men and women. You see, God is not off in heaven waiting for us. God has come to live with us on earth. John saw a new way for us to make the world. God gives us a gift but the gift becomes an assignment. Last week, Krista Tippett spoke here, and her topic was this beautiful title that I have borrowed for our three-week series called Remaking the World. In Krista's opening remarks, she noted that we face huge challenges, not just in our own city and our own country, but as a human species. And then she said that in the midst of these challenges, we are called. We are called to walk into these challenges with the best of what we have to offer. We are called to walk toward them because of what we love and of what we want to build. 
We are called to create the world we want for our college graduates, our high school graduates, our newly blessed babies. What world do we want them to live in? What world do we want them to inherit? As Christians, you and I are called to walk into these challenges with the best of what we have. And what is that? Our faith and our love. It's an overwhelming assignment, a gift and an assignment. And none of us holds this assignment alone. We have one another, and we have the living God with us. And so every Monday night and every Tuesday morning, members of our congregation gather in the front yard so that they can plant and prune and weed the grounds of the church. And not long ago, one of our neighbors who lives here in the community stopped by and she said to a member of our green team, I walk by this church frequently and each time I do, I come and I place my hand, my palm against the wooden front door and I feel God's spirit. Thank you so much for the beautiful job you volunteers do with this landscaping. Who knew? that you could remake the world through gardening. On the first Monday and the second Tuesday of every month, dozens of our folks here in the church serve a hot home-cooked meal to Kansas City neighbors who are unable to feed their own families because there is too much month at the end of the money. They serve them not just taco salad or chicken tetrazzini, they serve them a warm smile. They call these hungry neighbors by their first names. They wait tables on them as if they were at Kansas City's nicest restaurants. They serve food at Crosslines and at Micah to those who are trapped in the endless cycle of poverty. And there they find not only food, but access to free medical care and case management services to remove those who are living on the streets into a stable home. They are remaking the world so that no one here in Kansas City goes hungry and all know the love of Christ that makes us whole. Tragically, a young 20-something in our congregation died by suicide just a few months ago. I, I had officiated at his wedding just a few years back. I had celebrated with him in joyful times of his life, but when the time came to plan his funeral, our own Reverend Joe Walker went down the street here to the bowling alley where this young man gathered every Monday night to bowl with his friends. Joe gathered with the members of the bowling league, these young friends who knew very little about church or God or suicide. But Joe did that because the church will go anywhere to remake the world, to re to remend friendships, to comfort families. I, I was in a, a meeting with a business owner in our city. It was someone I had heard a lot of good things about but had never met. We were introducing ourselves. I explained to him where I worked, and he paused. He said, do you know George Gordon? I said, well, yes, I do. And, and I said, why do you ask? And he said, well, uh, more than 30 years ago, I went through a really painful time in my life. I went through a divorce, and it was George who got me through that difficult time. He said, I've now been married to this beautiful woman, my partner, for over 30 years. 
it, it's such a happy life, but it was George. It was George who got me through that. Congregation, you remade the world by sending George out with the love of Christ. You know, sometimes we get confused. We think that church is all about filling up the pews or having good coffee and donuts on Sunday or raising our annual budget or keeping our building in good shape or getting something interesting and fun for the youth group to do. But the purpose of the church is to remake the world. Every dollar we give to the church has that as its singular purpose to join God in remaking the world. My former professor, Richard Hayes, writes, Jesus is not just urging that the church be a friendly place with a big parking lot where folks greet you with a smile. The charge to the church is momentous. The credibility of the gospel is contingent on our sacrificial love for one another. If outsiders do not see the Christian community love of another kind, then there is no reason for them to attend to the message that God loved the world so much that he sent his son to rescue it. We exist, you see, to remake the world with the love of Christ, that action that brings heaven to earth. It is our gift. It is our assignment. Some of you know that Kansas City has been designated as a host city for the relocation of refugees who fled Afghanistan when the Taliban seized control. Our partner agency, Dalla Lam, has opened the doorway for members of our congregation to help resettle these Af Afghani families as they are arriving here in Kansas City. Not too long ago, three moms from our church along with their four kids, little kids, knocked on the door of one of these refugee families. They were delivering, you know, like a little coffee table and some kitchen items and a rug, some things that any of us would need to set up a home. And the mom from Afghanistan opened the door, but she only spoke Farsi. So her ability to greet them was limited, but her 10-year-old daughter appeared and she could translate go back and forth between Farsi and English. And so with her translating, she invited them in and offered them some tea and asked them to please sit down and join her. But she had no chairs. So they all sat on the floor in this tiny little living room. And then the kids from Afghanistan and the kids from Johnson County, they did what kids from anywhere will do. They got bored with the grown-up talk and they slipped off and went back into the children's rooms and they began playing and all the moms could hear was the squeal of laughter and delight and joy of children playing together because God is remaking the world. But how will this happen without the church? How will God possibly remake the world without us.